Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Big Oil is engaging with the energy transition in a number of ways, from building large-scale renewables to rolling out electric vehicle charge points and many more. Quite exactly, though, how major oil companies pivot their businesses away from oil and towards the energy transition, or maybe not away from, but as well as oil towards the energy transition, is a fascinating topic. And today we're looking at uh, one of the ways in which one of the oil majors, BP, is engaging the, in the energy transition through a subsidiary of LightSource BP. LightSource BP itself is a developer of large-scale solar projects that's 50% owned by BP. And its subsidiary, LightSource Labs, is focusing on the grid edge and bringing products to market for residential customers. So let's say hello to my guests and learn a bit more. First, Anne Davis, CEO of LightSource BP. Hello, Anne. Hello, John, and uh, thank you for the invite today. It's really great to be here. Thanks for joining. Um, and I rattled off a few names in my introduction. Uh, BP, which everyone all know, LightSource BP, which some people might not know, and LightSource Labs. Can you just give us a quick elevator pitch, not a BP, but of LightSource BP and LightSource Labs? Absolutely. Um, with pleasure, John. So, yes, so LightSource BP, as you mentioned, is a joint venture between LightSource, which is a company that's around 10 years old. It was, it was a startup and grew a solar business in the UK and the energy giant BP. Um, it's uh, we, we are independent in the sense that we um, we have our own executive team and our own strategy, but we we have the 50% support from from BP. Um, so LightSource BP is a large scale utility solar company. Uh, we develop solar power around the world. Uh, we're currently in 15 countries and have some really bold, exciting and audacious plans to of growing 16 gigawatts of pipeline or plus plus that we hope and. Um, and you know we we believe in the energy transition and playing our part in providing green energy. Um, now, at where LightSource BP, our core business, is focused on the generation side of the energy system. Um, LightSource Labs is more focused on the demand side of energy management. Uh, so we have technology uh, which allows consumers, whether they're residential, commercial, industrial to be able to not only monitor, but optimize their, their energy consumption um, or their storage and put giving that control back to the customer. Um, it's, it's really exciting because not only is LightSource Labs complementary with our core LightSource BP business, you know, as we deploy more and more renewable energy into the grid, we need to have to be able to flex that energy consumption and storage to maximize use of green power while you know, reducing hopefully solar and wind curtailment. Um, but also labs has synergies with, you know, BP's new reimagining energy, you know, as BP becomes more focused on customers um, and it's, it has synergies with other technologies that BP are deploying. So we're really excited about labs as a business and, and we're even more excited about the synergies with um, the, the larger light source business and potentially the BP business as well. Thanks, Anne. Um, did the labs part... Was that a, a deliberate, carefully planned strategy or did that organically emerge from something or a bit of both? 
Yeah, I'd say I'd say a little bit of both. And, um, you know, Charlie, my colleague's with me today and he can chip in as needed. But I think Lightsource um, as a company before it joined BP used to play in the residential solar space. So um, it was quite natural for the company at the time to think about how new technology can integrate with solar panels on your roof or the batteries in your home in addition to how the home and energy consumption plays in the larger energy mix when more renewables enter the grid. Um, so it has it has grown organically within LightSource um, and it's grown to where it is today. I mean, labs, you know, it's a relatively small team globally. It's about 30 people, but we, are, we have eight different nationalities and we have bases in five countries here in the UK, but we're also in Australia, Spain, Greece and Ireland. And we're commercially active in UK, um, Australia and Spain. So yeah, it's, it's grown from a small seed um, as a complementary to residential solar to now, to now a global business hoping to partake in the net zero transition. Thanks, Anne. So yeah, I can see very much uh, a bit of both. Um, uh, Lightsource BP may have pivoted a bit away from residential solar into utility scale solar, but you've got that really nice complement that you described of uh, the generation side and the demand side. Yes. Um, thanks, and we'll come back to you shortly. Um, my second guest is Charlie Vay, who's Head of International Development at Lightsource Labs. Hello, Charlie. Hi, John. Thanks very much for having me. And welcome to the podcast. Um, Charlie, can Anne's given us sort of that, that picture of Lightsource Labs, but can you tell us a, a bit more about the, the products that Lightsource Lab is bringing to market? Yeah, sure. So uh, we, we develop uh, first and foremost energy management technology that helps energy consumers, um, ranging from residential customers to commercial and industrial customers, monitor and optimize the way they're um, generating electricity if they've got PV on the roof, storing electricity if they've got stationary battery systems or maybe electric cars parked outside uh, and consuming electricity to, to reduce their energy costs. Um, so, so we've developed an end-to-end technology stack uh, ranging from uh, the hardware that's installed behind the meter um, to the software platform mm-hmm. and cloud platform above it um, that integrates with a, a wide range of assets within the building. Um, so, so again, you know, your solar PV and batch system, your EV charging points, your air conditioning system and electric heating systems, and coordinates and optimizes the, the schedules of each of those assets to ensure that they're <clears throat> consuming electricity at the, the cheapest and greenest periods of the day. Um, excitingly, recently, we just launched um, our optimization technology. So we've developed machine learning algorithms that um, predict and forecast the, the generation um, of um, customers' assets um, and takes into account um, weather information, so weather forecast data, price signals like um, tariffs, um, to ensure that automatically these assets are being scheduled to um, take advantage of those low-cost, cheap and green periods of the day. Um, and then lastly, I was just going to say that our technology is not only designed to optimize within the building, it's also designed to, to optimize outside the building for, for partners, including network operators, um, the system operator like National Grid in the UK, um, uh, via um, an aggregated fleet of assets into what we call a virtual power plant that can deliver flexibility services, ancillary services to help balance the network and relieve constraints during uh, kind of peak times. Okay, so you've got that in a way two-sided business model, one side optimizing for the customer and the other side optimizing for the energy system. Um, and just going back to sort of, I guess, the, 
the solar or PV roots of light source. Uh, how you talked about a number of different technologies about PV, about batteries, uh, electric vehicle charge points, heat pumps. How central is PV to what you're looking to do, or do you see that as just one of a number of assets in the home that can be optimized? So, so the benefit of having PV installed is obviously it generates um, zero cost uh, green electricity throughout the day. So, you know, by having um, solar installed on the building, you're able to take, advan- take advantage of that solar energy and the the, the technology that we've developed is designed to maximize use of that free solar energy during the day. Um, but you yep. don't need to have solar installed. You can, you know, if, if you're on a dynamic tariff, I know for, for the larger CNI customers, for example, so they might be on um, flexible tariffs, um, the varying costs throughout the day. And yep. we're starting to see dynamic tariffs coming into the residential market as well. And we, we anticipate that that will become um, uh, more ubiquitous in the markets over the coming years. So, you know, if there, if there is a price signal that you can optimize against, having our technology installed will really take advantage yeah. of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've uh, listeners to the podcast will know I've got a, a hybrid heat pump. So I've got an electric heat pump with a gas boiler. I've got PV panels. I've now got an electric car in the driveway. I've yet to get my charge point installed, but very soon I'll have a charge point. Not got a battery yet, so um, I guess I'm exactly the sort of customer that you want to help me optimize all this all together and take yeah. advantage of dynamic tariffs and the flexibility it can provide to the grid. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I get excited by this is that today the customer has choice. You, you have choice as to which tariff you might use. You have choice whether you put solar panels in your home or a heat pump or a battery, um, but there's less choice when it comes to when, when you use your energy. Um, and I think this is what this technology really unlocks is that, you know, the technology that Charlie and the team are developing, it puts that control back in the hand of the customers to when that energy gets used. You want to be using your most energy when you're generating the most power from your solar panels, if that's what you have. Or it could be you want to be using your most energy when you're getting your cheapest tariff, if that's what you want. But giving more control mm. to the customer is something that me and that certainly I and the team get really, really excited about. Sorry, Charlie, go ahead. Well, uh, actually, and on, on that, I was driving with my daughter this morning in our electric car, and it shows you the efficiency. So how many uh, miles, because we're in the UK, not kilometers, but miles per kilowatt hour I'm um, using. And we're chatting about, ah, now it's not, it's not sunny today, so this wouldn't be charged from our solar panels. Ah, oh, no, but when I plug it in and go back and plug it in, can we charge it up from our solar panels? Or can we charge it from green electricity? And it was something my daughter found it so easy to understand and engage with. And to her, it's so obvious. Yeah, why don't we do that? Um, so, I, yeah, I, like you, and I'm excited. I really believe there's a market for this, uh, even if it's very environment today. Uh, I'll come to my third guest now. So podcast list, regular podcast listeners will know of my colleague, Charmaine Coutinho. Hello, Charmaine. Hi, John. Hi, everyone. Um, Charmaine, uh, in terms of energy management in the home, uh, I guess we've talked about the different aspects, as the different assets. We've talked about PV, but when you look, and uh, there are a lot of companies trying to get into this area of optimizing assets in the home. Mm. How many Charmaine do you see coming in from the, or are they 
generally coming from the PV angle and self-consuming PV, or are there different angles that companies like Light Source Labs are coming at this from? So if you'd asked me this question maybe like 45 minutes ago, John, I would have said two. So the PV side and the storage side. Um, so that's a, that's a big one. And all the reasons Anne said, it's it's very obvious you can see. So I used to work in solar specifically about 10 years ago. And you can see when you put in solar, particularly in, in residential homes, actually the next step is to look at how you optimize that, obviously, for the time of day it produces. So that makes sense, especially with storage. Um and actually really useful and very engaging for consumers because there used to be a phrase that people used to use, at least in the UK around solar and calling it roof bling. Um, and the idea that it would just be a superficial thing that you put on your house. But actually what you can do with it to kind of really green your energy supply and kind of reduce your carbon emissions is, is quite exciting. So there's that piece. I think we've seen a lot of, in our research, people coming into kind of home energy management from the heating side. So looking at smart thermostats and smart controls uh, and really kind of way back when, when Nest were doing fun things with thermostats that weren't a little white box on your wall to now where people are doing, well, similar, but not quite the same, um, just intelligent management of your heating systems. So I think those are the two main pieces. Um, but the third one I was thinking about is actually just from... Um, from maybe from an energy retail perspective, just looking at your consumption, irrespective of whether you have a, um, a PV system or a battery system, but just from your grid-connected electricity supply, when you want to optimise that for time-of-use tariffs or for green power. And I think in the last year or two, we've seen a lot of conversations around time-of-use tariffs, um, but more so about people trying to look at it from a, well, when can I use this? So that choice that we talked about before, and when is it greenest for me to use it? Um, and there was an interesting radio program on the other day where they had a consumer saying, if I don't choose a green tariff at a time of day, am I actively being negative towards the environment, which I've never heard people talk about. So I think the awareness around the greenness and the time of when the grid is greener is, is rising, really. Um, so lots of different directions, but I think those are the three biggies for us. Charlie and... And any any thoughts on that, on those different angles or, or ways in to home energy management in or optimizing assets in the home? Um, so, I mean, something you said there that really resonated with me is, is people are really starting to think about, you know, when they use their energy. And, you know, I've read articles about people getting up in the middle of the night to go and charge their, their EV or put their washing machine on because that could be the cheapest time or the greenest time. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, we need to automate this. And I think the technology that that labs brings and there may be others as well, that, you know, that able that enable this um, to happen. And, you know, I have this vision in the future where, you wake up in the morning and your EV's been already been charged at the most optimal time overnight. You, the app is already scheduled when you need to put your washing machine on based on the solar generation in the day or the tariff prices during the day. Um, you may have, or may have already programmed your battery system and EV to trade electricity with the grid and when it's under stress, you know, maybe even generating a new source of income for the customer. So I can just imagine this world where all this, this worry and angst about when and how I use my energy is taken care of for you through, through the use of technology. Um, so, you know, and I, I, and I do think these trends, uh, we're starting to see the shoots of these trends coming through and, and it'll, it'll only increase with time. And so having the right technology is important. 
but also having access to the customers. And I'm not going to say that LightSource Labs has everything that's needed. I think I think LightSource Labs is open to partnering with 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 others um, to help reach as many customers as possible. But uh, we are really excited about where this is going. Charlie, on on that, what parts of this would you say LightSource Labs is really focusing on? Are you are you a tech company? Do you think of yourself as a tech company? Do you want to be customer facing? Do you want to uh, get your technology into channels? Can you tell us a bit about where in this you play? Yeah, sure. So um, first and foremost, we're a technology company. So so we want to sell our technology to, to partners um, in a variety of channels uh, around the world. Um, our, our core channels are the utility channel, um, the um, housing developer, social landlord channel, um, the solar solar installer, solar um, distributor channel as well. Um, and then we're, we're, we've also recently partnered with network operators. Um, uh, actually, here in the UK, we've recently won contracts to deliver flexibility to UK power networks and Western power distribution, 1.8 megawatts of flexibility from the end of this year onwards. So um, we're, we're looking to work with a range of different partners, but I think the, the core channel for us is selling through utilities. So energy suppliers who are you know, day-to-day buying and selling electricity um, to, to their customers. The, the benefit of utilities is that not only do they have access, in some cases, to millions of households or, or businesses, um, but they also buy and sell electricity from the wholesale market. And so they can use our technology when it's aggregated together into a, a virtual power plant um, and, and use that inherent capacity yeah. and flexibility in all of those assets to optimize their trading portfolio and also access and, and unlock revenues from the balancing markets and the flexibility markets and the ancillary service markets. So we, we see the, the utility partnerships being a, a really key channel for us. And um, unfortunately, we're unable to announce today um, one such partnership. But um, I think soon after this podcast is published, we will be announcing uh, one very exciting partnership here in the UK with, with a, a very exciting energy retailer. Um, based on that kind of proposition. Okay, so what watch this space? Um, what what are you learning, Charlie, about the the challenges of getting into these channels? Because it's something I see a lot. Um, there are to build a consumer brand to be customer facing is really hard. So lots of people want to get themselves into the sorts of channels you're talking about, and uh, there are. I'm constantly surprised at the number of number of companies entering this space you know there's so much passion i think to do work in this area so are you find you're clearly having successes but what are you learning about it is it taking longer than you thought or any particular reflections on getting into these channels yeah sure i think we've got um, a whole host of different challenges um i think you know technically from a product perspective we need to develop products that have, you know, impeccable user experience, um, user interfaces. Um, they're super simple to use. They're very easy to integrate within within the smart building. Um, they need to be, for, yeah. for us, you know, our, our, one of our key um, USPs is its compatibility with 
third-party assets. So, you know, third-party electric vehicle chargers, solar and battery systems, air conditioning systems. We need to expand that list of integrations that we that we have today um, because, obviously, the bigger that list, the, the wiser our addressable market. You know, that everyone has a whole host of different brands yeah. um, of products in, the, in their homes. So I think compatibility is, is a challenge that, that we're working on. Um, we also need to demonstrate performance of our product. You know, we need to know that um, or we need to demonstrate that our products deliver value to customers. Um, you know, they reduce our customers' energy bills. They, they reduce our customers' carbon footprint. So I think, um, you know, we're, we're at the very early stages of commercialization and, and we're yet to kind of prove that um, uh, robustly. You're working internationally. You mentioned the UK. Uh, if you had to pick... Sort of, I don't know, one, two, three other countries that you see are really promising. What what would you what would you pick? Yeah, well, I think just briefly on the UK, the UK is is quite um, forward thinking, believe it or not, in in mm. its um, you know rollout of uh, and, and trialing and testing of smart grid technologies. We've got very forward thinking district network operators. We've got some very innovative energy suppliers. I would say that you know from a if you're looking at a kind of solar market perspective, Australia is obviously um, a, a market with very, very high penetration of, of renewable generation, rooftop generation. Um, I think a, th- a third yep. um, of homes in Australia have PV on the roof now. So there's a, there's a big market there. Germany, likewise, I think there's the highest density of PV installed um, in one country in Germany. And then the US, um, obviously, is, again, very forward thinking. Um, there have been lots of instances over the past year where um where, where energy management technology could have really helped situations, the the the, the issues that the Texans saw, um, the the blackouts that have been seen in California, etc. There's obviously a huge opportunity there to to manage electricity and provide flexibility when needed. And what you mentioned the sort of global footprint of uh, well, the global makeup of of Lightsource Labs. What's your sort of aspirations? Uh, is it very much global? You want to be see Lightsource Labs as being a global tech company or how would you describe your aspirations for Lightsource Labs? So yes I, I would um, you know I, I, I do I do I do imagine us as, as global um, I think you know I think we want to, to grow with the growing markets whether that's you know growth in PV installation and um, and batteries and growth in EVs which is happening globally you know, we also need to, to focus on where we could be successful. And, you know, Charlie listed some of those um, countries where we think we can be successful because we think these countries are, are riding that wave now and, and the others will come in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but ultimately, our, our aspiration is to have, you know, thousands, if not millions of customers who are taking advantage of this technology, the granularity this technology provides and having that control in their hands and, you know, and, with, with that number of customers, you know, we're able to provide significant flexibility services. So, so, so ultimately, that's, that, that'll be our aspiration. And all of this, um, if we can manage demand and, and also green up supply, then all of this helps us on the, the path the planet's on to, to net zero. Um, but, but we don't believe it's only through greening up supply. We also think, you know, demand needs to be addressed and this type of technology can play a pivotal role in that. I, th- I think it has to be addressed. I think you're right. If you can't have one without the other, um, change in greening of supply, the, the nature of that will mean we need more flexibility and demand. Um, Charmaine, you've worked a lot. You've worked. You've worked for energy retailers. You've worked with energy retailers. Um, how 
I'd like to ask you a question about your perspective of getting this into the market and tech to describe it. Well, for want of a different way of describing it, tech push against customer pull. Hmm. And it's all very well for people like me. You know, I'm a, a tech guy. I've got this all this stuff in my house. I'll definitely be an early adopter, maybe of the LightSource Labs product and then Charlie maybe, or but one of those type of products. Um, but how do you think, what but do you see about the balance between tech push and customer pull in the market at the moment? So I think, and we've probably said this on the podcast, I don't know, maybe like once every three podcast episodes, but the energy industries, particularly utilities, have been historically kind of quite bad at pushing things on to consumers rather than being driven by consumer mm. needs. And I think consumer needs, I think that, and I do think that is changing a, a lot. Um, so both Anne and Charlie mentioned about optimization, and I think talking to a couple of colleagues and some other people, when people, consumers say, I just want this to be easy, there's so many things for me to think about, I just want it to be easy. And part of that is someone optimizing it on my behalf, whatever it is, uh, and making it convenient and easy for people. Um, and part of it is um, knowing enough about it so they have a kind of a peace of mind around it. But I think the um, the changes that are going on separately to what we're talking about so people being more aware of net zero and about um green living for want of a better phrase rising further up the agenda it translates into lots of different things so people have cleverer technologies uh and so the more technology they have in the home mm. the more they want those all to work together so that touches on the interoperability the interoperability bit that charlie mentioned and actually that's a really good route to getting people on this journey which is it's kind of a little bit of tech push um but actually it's a consumer saying well i've got all these things now i want services around my home and my energy to make mm. use of all these things that i've got so they're quite closely relinked linked i think these days but um i do think services generally around the home and the home energy system are quite tricky because they cost service providers to provide but very few customers actually want to pay for services around that so um, anyone who's entering the market from a service pro provider perspective is going to be quite clever about um, how they put a proposition together if they're going to make any money and make it profitable, really. So a bit of both, but I think it's definitely moved since it was all tech push. So, Charlie, I guess ultimately that's a job for your channel partners. That, um, But you, as Charmaine said, you need to make sure that your your product, your technology is provides that seamless, easy customer experience. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, one, one of the challenges we have now is to develop propositions that actually answer real needs um, that customers want. And, and so customers actually want to buy it. You know, um, we, we don't want to be pushing water uphill. We need to actually be, you know, supplying technologies, solutions and, and, and products that people need and want to buy. Um, and I think that kind of links with, um, the, the fact that we need these price signals, these tariffs to incentivize people to consume electricity at certain times of the day and avoid consuming electricity at other parts of the day. And I think this is one of the challenges that we as um, kind of flexibility technology um, providers like, like Light Source Labs um, are, are contending with. You know, the market actually does need to evolve. We need to have policy and regulation in place. We need um, as everyone in the industry knows, market-wide half-hourly settlement. We need the smart meter program to be rolled out and, and be, mm. you know, complete. 
um, to enable us to um, incentivize customers to to flex their consumption according to what's happening at, at grid level and, and locally as well. Um, because I think that's going to be key for us because our technology can then come in and, and optimize and automate everything on their behalf um, to, to not only reduce their energy costs, but also support the grid when it's under stress. Thanks, Charlie. Um, now, before I bring up the Talking New Energy crystal ball, and there's one question I'd, I'd like to ask you, stepping back a bit from the details of um, home energy management. You've, you worked in a traditional part of BP, I understand, originally, um, and you're now in the new energy part. I'm interested, what's that, what's that change been like for you in terms of your role at LightSource BP and LightSource Labs from, I guess, old energy into new energy? What does that feel like? What's it been like? How does it contrast? Thank you. Thank you for the question. And, um, you know, uh, you know, BP is a company that's been around a long time. I mean, well over a hundred years and, you know, is part of the tapestry of the history of, of energy and, you know, how it's been sourced and consumed around the world. And, um, though when I, but then I look back at solar and we think about solar as a new energy, but I think the, you know, the, the first patent for solar was, you know, 1907. So, you know, and solar energy has mm. been used, you know, historically probably before what we kind of think of traditional energies. And it's, it's just an interesting story and an interesting history. And um, one thing I would say um, is, you know, I'm always someone who's embraced change. And, and even through my career at BP, you know, I've worked in, in engineering and operations in finance. I've worked in six, across six countries. You know, I, I've worked oil, but also, you know, gas and, you know, providing gas to Europe from the Caspian and, and huge projects and building infrastructure that can, you know, change countries and landscapes and, you know, and, and be part of that energy history. And so this move was quite natural to me. I think um, I think we do absolutely need to um, green up energy supply. I think we need to make drastic changes to how much of our the energy we use is green and we need to scale up um, the verticals of solar and and also the other energies like wind, um, and and then we need to integrate all this together into an, an, an integrated energy offering. So the move to to light source for me felt completely natural. You know, someone who enjoys change and leaning into change. And then on on the lab side, I'm also someone who's also embraced digital. No matter which part of the industry I've worked in, I'm always the one looking for the latest um, digital solution, and also looking at the bigger picture. And in this case, it's not just supply; it's also demand. Um, so, so taking on the labs business definitely leaned into my natural interest, you know, my own awareness around energy consumption, but also the um, maybe the little bit of the geek in me that enjoys the the digital side, and um, so I'm certainly finding that rewarding. And and I and I believe in this technology for all the reasons we've mentioned on this podcast today. So, it's a, for you, it's I guess a, a natural evolution in the same way well your evolution is a path that companies like bp and others will follow that same sort of evolution um well let's keep it on time let's bring out the talking new energy crystal ball now so my question and this is specific to light source labs so to you charlie and to you anne um setting the data 2030 what how would you describe uh success for light source labs in 2030 what would if you could fast forward now to 2030 what would make you think yes we've really done set out what we what we set out to achieve uh charlie do you want to go first and, and then Anne? 
Thank, thanks, John. Um, I think set, assessing the Dallas in 2030, what, what I would like to, to see is Lysol Slabs as being an integral part to a fully distributed, flexible energy system where we are incentivizing customers in as close to real time as possible to consume green, cheap, low cost electricity um, and, and to uh, minimize our reliance on fossil fuels. I think that at the end of the day is what we would like to be a part of. More, more specifically, I think for Lysol Slabs, we would like to be, um, you know, have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of customers in markets across the world um, using our technology that's integrated with any size of distributed energy asset, whether that's, you know, one, one EV charger connected at someone's home through to a large kind of solar and battery system on a large factory, using our technology to optimise how that, that asset is used to not only deliver energy savings to, to them as the customer, but also to support the grid uh, when there's stress on the network, whether it's, to, to, you know, um, peaks in demand or, or, or the intermittent peaks in supply as well when, when there's too much supply on the system and frequency, for example, goes up. So I, I would like to see us, you know, uh, ar around the world with a variety of different customers across markets. Thanks, Charlie. Um, Anne, how about yourself? Anything to, to build on that or yeah, anything? Yeah, I mean, that's a great answer from Charlie. Um, I think um, I would like to see this just become a normal part of how we how we behave in society, a bit like I don't think about it now when I take my reusable bag to the supermarket. I don't think about mm. it when I buy a, an energy-efficient light bulb. Um, and um, and I don't think about it when I recycle. It's just something that we do. It's It's, it's habit. And... I would really like to see that that kind of habit ingrained in in how we operate as a society, and with this type of technology, I, I hoping hopefully will will help us help us get there. And Light Source Labs being at the heart of that would be would be fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I I just hope that you know more control in the hands of the customer, and then the the customer has has developed. Um, a, a, ch a change and, and more consciousness to how we consume energy and when, um, and they feel more in charge with the help of our technology. So it becomes, well, a social yes. norm is probably the wrong way to describe it, but I, I like your analogy with taking a reusable bag to the supermarket. It's just what, you, what do. you do. But 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I very much hope that uh, that future does evolve, both for the industry in general, for our need to reduce carbon emissions, and for both of you at Lightsource BP and Lightsource Labs. So um, thanks, all three of you, for your, your time. Thanks, Charmaine, as always. Thanks, Anne, and thanks, Charlie. Uh, it's been fascinating to hear about your work in this area. Okay. Wish you the best of luck. Look forward to that announcement, Charlie, that you trailed in the... The, the near term thanks to everyone for listening hope you enjoyed the episode and look forward to welcoming you back soon thanks and goodbye if you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are then please keep in touch you can follow us and me on twitter linkedin or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform if you like the podcast and like sharing then please do rate us and to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.